Hey everybody, welcome to the Needlepoint Scoop. This is Mary Catherine, your host. You can find out more about me at needlepointscoop.com. This is the second episode for this week. You get two episodes on this Wednesday, February the 7th. I'm sorry I didn't have an episode last week, so hopefully the plan is to have a new episode every Wednesday. Um, but if that doesn't happen, I'm sorry, and I will make it up to you. Um, we have some exciting guests that are that will be joining me in conversation very soon. So I am looking forward to getting those scheduled and having the conversation. So I think these are going to be some folks that you all are really um, going to enjoy. So that is coming up. Um, you got me, but you also have some exciting guests. Thanks for listening. If you like this, tell your friends, all of the above, you know, the drills, right? Um, all right. I want to tell you why. Um, now this, I don't, I don't, I don't want to tell you why I want to tell you what I did this last weekend. I'm sorry. Um, okay. So last weekend was Needlepoint Palooza. You may have heard or have seen about Needlepoint Palooza out there on the social media. Um, I live in upstate South Carolina and we have a stitch club that anyone can join. There's a Facebook group and um, I think that's kind of how we do most of our communications. I'm not on Facebook, but um, I think Facebook is kind of how we, we sort of communicate as well as email. But it's a group that we get together monthly and we're just a group of stitchers um there's a core group of people i would say probably i don't know maybe 30 people that are pretty regular they regularly attend and then we have um you know other folks that come in and out just depending on their travels or where they are or things like that. I could be totally, I'm not good with numbers like this, but I think that's about right. Um, we have two, we have a daytime meeting, a daytime meetup and an evening meetup. So I want to share a little bit about our club and how we sort of function and um, how I want, I, I'm doing this in hopes to give you maybe some ideas of how you can start your own um, stitch club, if that's something that you're interested in doing. Um, and I want to tell you a little bit about Needlepoint Palooza and how Needlepoint Palooza um, got to, came about. And um, just want to give you some highlights of the weekend. So that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. So we have, as I mentioned, we have a daytime group and we have a nighttime group. The daytime group, we usually meet once a month. Um, we pick, you know, I think it's the third Tuesday of every month and we either meet at someone's home. If someone has, someone takes a month. Okay. So I say, okay, Mary Catherine, it's me. I got February or there are a group of people, sometimes three people who are friends will say, we'll, we all want to do February. So however it works and you take a month and we sometimes meet at people's home which is um, lovely. I think 
you know, sometimes obviously there are a lot of people who come. So, you know, people need to have a home that's big enough to house us all. Um, but then also sometimes just homes don't have great lighting for 20 people to stitch, right? So whether your house is, however many people your house can fit is really irrelevant. I think the most important thing that people are looking for is um, just good lighting that can you comfortably hold um, a certain, yeah, all of us. And then can we all um, see, because some people bring their lights and some people bring their stands, um, but then other folks don't have lights. Um, so we just, you know, you want to make it comfortable for your guests, obviously. So yes, we have it in people's homes, but we also um, meet often at a member's church's fellowship hall. So speaking of lighting and tables and space, that's a great place to meet um, because usually the lighting is very good. There's plenty of space and there's usually no fee um, to use that space. Um, so that's a great option. Another place that we meet often is a public library. So your public library may have meeting rooms that you can reserve, which are also um, at no cost. So I think one of the rules for us that we have um, for our local libraries is you can reserve the room, but you can't, the room has to be, anybody can, the public can join if they want to join. Now, no one's like coming into the library and then being like, oh, I have my stitching. Can I come in and stitch? Like that doesn't happen. But the door stays open and a lot of times people will come in and say, hey, can I just peek in? What are you guys doing? Can I come in and look at your work? Whatever. So, I mean, obviously you're private. It's a private room, but we have to let, you know, we can't kick people out, I guess, um, which we would not do anyway. We are a <laughs> welcoming group of people. But um, so that's great. We, we've even done like finishing meetups there. So we have people who finish, who are remarkable self-finishers in our group. And if you want to learn how to self-finish, you can come to one of those self-finishing meetups. And um, it's also a great way that if, let's say you have a few things that you want to finish and maybe you don't have, um, I don't know, like a cord maker and you can come to the, you know, somebody will share their cord maker with you at the um, finishing meetup. So homes, church fellowship halls are great and libraries, public libraries. So those are really good places. And the reason I think we like those most of all is because there's plenty of space and um, there's lots of tables and chairs so people can sit comfortably for hours and stitch. They can have their stands, they can have all their stuff and we can, you know, we take up a lot of space so we can have all of our stuff and um, have good lighting. That's really important. Um, so our daytime clubs meet like from 10 to three and we usually have a lunch. So either 
Um, sometimes we say like, just bring your own lunch. Um, we've done that before. Um, other times we special order, uh, kind of, let's say takeout for instance. So we order, you know, however many sandwiches or whatever, and you just put, kind of put your order in and, um, pay for it. Or, you know, you Venmo the person who's organizing that month, um, for your lunch. And then other times we have individuals and groups of people who are very generous and they will make, um, they will make a lunch. So we've had things like, uh, baked potato bars. We've had, lots of, I mean, we're in the South, so we love a chicken casserole down here. So a great, whether it's a hot chicken salad casserole or a chicken and rice and broccoli casserole, um, which is really lovely. Um, we'll have a casserole and then a salad and, um, some dessert or whatever. And everybody obviously, you know, brings, we may have tea or whatever. I mean, you guys know how to throw a lunch in. Right. And then usually when we do that, um, we have like a little basket out and we ask everyone to put you know, a few dollars or whatever, not a few dollars. I mean, there's an amount I can't remember. I can't remember if it's $10 or $5. I can't remember how much it is um, to just, you know, give the host or whatever. So it's not um, to help her cover the cost of the meal and things for us. So that's really fun. So we do that. We meet once a month for the daytime meetup. So that's the daytime meetup. And then most of the daytime meetup is going to be obviously people who their schedules allow them to be at Stitch Club, you know, 10 to 3. So whether it's people who are retired or homemakers, um, some people have flexible work schedules. Um, some people take off, you know, they really love that meeting and so they'll, they'll take a, you know, they'll take a day. Um, just to come to Stitch Club, which is really cool. I mean, I think that's that's great. We all need a day off every now and then, especially to come stitch in the middle of the week. So that's the daytime meetup. And then in the evenings, um, obviously we can't stitch as long, but we stitch from, I think it's six to nine. Um, maybe it's five to nine. I don't know. I can't remember. Six to nine, five to nine. And we usually do that at somebody's house. And that's all, usually a smaller group. And that is... I wouldn't say I, I, there are younger people who come to the evening because those are, you know, usually folks that, that are still in their working years and they, you know, they're, it's, it's just more convenient for them, whatever, to, I don't want to stick my foot in my mouth, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, but it's not, I wouldn't say at the same time, it's not just young people. They're people of all ages, which I think is one of the greatest things that I appreciate the most about Needlepoint is the intergenerational, intergenerational relationships, which I think are invaluable and unique and really special. So whether you come to the evening or you're going to, it's going to span, you know, five generations um, sometimes, you know, you may have somebody that's 70 there and you may have somebody in their late twenties there, um, which is really cool. And, uh, yeah, so that's in the evening and people usually like bring a dish to share, I think in the evenings. So it's usually kind of like heavy hors d'oeuvres, um, 
and bring um, a dish to share and then we stitch, which is really fun. So that's how we meet monthly. And then we have um, two times a year that we like to come together as both an evening group and a daytime group, which I think is fun. Um, We do a Christmas party, which is everybody. And then for the last two years, we have done something called Needlepoint Palooza. So Needlepoint Palooza started, this is kind of my version of history, is um, a few years ago, two years, I guess, or maybe three, whatever. I don't know. This is the second one. That kind of math messes me up. We were sitting around, everybody was talking and sort of the question was posed, like, how inexpensively can we do a needlepoint retreat? Because there were people who wanted to go to a retreat, but for a lot of people, the re- there's there's travel involved, there's hotel rooms involved, there's great expense, um, rightfully so, um, but a lot of folks just didn't want to or weren't able to um, spend that kind of money to go on a retreat. So it kind of started as like a, um, not a game and not a joke, but it was, it was like, if we could, could, how could we do it? How cheaply or how inexpensively, that's probably the right word. How inexpensively could we have, you know, a multi, a two day needlepoint event. And everybody just kind of rolled with it and sort of needlepoint Palooza was created. And, you know, we're very fortunate to have um, educators and designers and people who are sort of in the needlepoint business in our upstate stitch club. So we really used um, folks in our local, um, local folks that were willing to um, teach a class, whether it be how to paint. Um, Anna from Evergreen Needlepoint um, is a, she lives in the upstate of South Carolina, and she did a painting class. Um, we have two amazing, three amazing. We we have a lot of people who self finish their they finish their own needlework, but we had Melanie Branham and Heidi. Roach and Heather Knapp, um, who taught finishing classes. Um, and then we have Stephanie Chase, who is a needlepoint instructor and writes stitch guides. And she did some stitching classes and, um, used some designers from the upstate. So, uh, Marco and Campbell, she used a Marco and Campbell, um, canvas, and then she was very generous and used my Christmas tree canvas. And so when we, that, that, that was this year, I can't remember what happened last year, but that was this year. And we wanted it to be, you know, something that all the upstate stitchers could come to, but we wanted it to also open it up to people outside of our stitch club. And y'all, I, I'm not, I was not, I helped do some planning this year. I was really not involved with any of the planning at all last year. Um, so I was kind of only watching this from the outside. Um, I was in charge of de-stashing this year. Oh, and we de-stashed. That's what we did. I kind of organized the de-stashing was sort of my job um, this year. But they 
we, we could not believe it, or they could not believe it. I remember hearing this, that when we opened up kind of, we were shocked that people wanted to come from so far away. There were people that were coming from the West Coast and Texas and the mid at how many people were willing or wanted to come travel to come to our, what we thought was just sort of a little, um, you know, our little retreat, you know, um, in the basement, you know, of our local church. Now, granted, you know, everybody, we wanted it to be great hosts and make it easy and nice and, you know, lovely for everybody. But it, I think it was really surprising how far away people were willing to travel. And it just only continued, it, it just continued to affirm for me how much we desire and crave the sense of community to be with other people who stitch. And I'll tell you this year as well as last year. Well, no, I can't speak for last year, but this year it was all women. Um, 80 women came and it was a, it was really powerful to be with multi-generations, very intergenerational. We had pregnant women there. We had um, young moms there. We had someone who just, a 22-year-old, 23-year-old who had just graduated from college and she has her first job to, you know, people in their 70s, maybe 80s. Um, That's so cool. And everyone's walking around and looking at people stitching and, um, you know, learning from one another. That was something someone said to me. It was so cool. They were saying someone, someone who was teaching me how to do a French knot. And she was like, this is like a class. Like I'm in a master class just by being with all of these other stitchers and that people were so generous with their time. You know, the stitcher said to me, she was like, I can't believe, you know, she's really helping me. You know, she's taking time to teach me how to do a French knot and she's, you know, helping me pick out stitches and she's just giving me feedback. Someone had had, um, a finishing, she had like, she had a finished ornament and there was like a snag in it. So it was like, it would had, I don't exactly know what happened, but it had the, the stitch sort was kind of hanging out and then something happened. There was a snafu with the um, finishing and, you know, she brought it out and there, there were, you know, people just really circled around her to figure out the best way to, to help her with her, um, finishing, you know, what was the best way that she could fix her little, you know, her ornament that had had an accident, you know, something had happened or whatever, a a little boo-boo on her, um, ornament. So that was, that, it always blows my mind and it's, it's, it's humbling and it's incredibly inspiring when you see that a group that size that's, that's, that is intergenerational, um, that, is coming together 
because of this hobby that, you know, I've talked about it a lot on the show, um, about what makes Needlepoint so special and why do we love it so? And without a doubt, there is that sense of community that we find. And um, I think it's invaluable. And yeah, it's just, it's, um, it, it feel, it fills, um, I think a basic need, a human need that we have to feel connected. And I think we lack that in today's world, um, which can feel very transactional, but what's even, so what the other thing that I'm sitting here thinking about is these Instagram relationships that we have built, um, you're able to see those people face to face, which was so cool. There were so many people that I followed on Instagram and I was like, we got to meet in the flesh, um, which was so cool. You know, I mean, there is, I know that's true for everyone. And that's just really cool and really special. So lots of stitching, um, lots of being inspired, lots of laughs, um, but really a place for everybody. So there's some people who who are very chatty and very gregarious and, um, you know, sparkle around the rooms. And they're also those of us that are can be very introverted that, you know, just kind of picked a spot and just liked being with everybody. And, um, I say that because I want to encourage you to maybe push yourself a little bit that if you are longing for that sense of connection or that sense of community to take a class, to go to one of these retreats, Even if you don't have a buddy, you will find a buddy there. Social media. You know, I mentioned this on the last episode. Like, reach out and say, hey, I'm stitching this. Has anybody stitched this? Do you have a recommendation for some stitches? And um, kind of put yourself out there because you will be met with um, people who are looking for that same thing. So don't hesitate to, um, because it may be. Make yourself a little vulnerable and put yourself out there and um, go to some of these things because you will not be the only person there that will be there by yourself. Yes, there are people who come as groups. There are people who are friends that were friends before Needlepoint and are friends in their Needlepoint group. There are lots of ways that um, this happens. I'll tell you, I have friends of mine that are in my Stitch group that I've known for years before needlepoint so we have friendships and a relationship outside of stitch club so our relationships are probably closer well i'm certainly they're closer we're closer friends than we are with some other people just because we've been friends longer um and we have a different type of history and we have other things that connect us other than stitch club but don't let that intimidate you. Um, just come and jump right in. There are plenty of people who, who are new to the group and, um, 
welcoming. And I, I think that's the case from everybody that I talk to. I think that's really the case wherever you go. Um, certainly there may be some, you know, groups that can be a bit exclusive or not very welcoming. But I think for the vast majority, um, needlepoint groups are very welcoming. Yeah, I was talking to somebody. I can't remember who I was. I'm really bad at, I could be bad at names. Um, and they were saying that they had moved, they had moved with their husband and their family. And they like, she hadn't find her, found her tribe. She hadn't found her people. And she was saying, you know, she sold out. She didn't know anybody, and she saw that a needlepoint group, and you know they've been friends for thirty something years, which I think is so so cool and stitched together. So I certainly don't take it for granted that I have a very engaging and vibrant and active stitch club. But if that is something that you are longing for or looking for, um, I want to encourage you to. Invite people over to Stitch. Say, let's meet at a coffee shop. And I will guarantee you that there are more Stitchers. I have found in the last, people just come out of the, there, there's so many. I guess what I'm saying is you think there's like, you're the only people who Stitch in your town. But then you find out there's so many people. They're like these closeted Stitchers. And that happened to me a few months ago. A friend of mine had some people over, and they're people that I had known my entire life that I had been on nonprofit boards with, that I have volunteered with, who've been on executive committee meetings together. Like I've known this person for decades. I had no idea she was a needle pointer. She was at this thing. And I was like, Marion, what? What are you doing? I did not know that you needlepointed. And she was like, yes, I've been stitching forever. And um, so anyway, there are people out there, I promise. Um, and they will connect you to other people and other stitchers. So that's really, that's really fun. Is, is Needlepoint Palooza a perfect event? No, it's very challenging because um, we have limited amount of space because of the church. People want to come. We, we are not even a you know, a real organization. So we don't have a bank account. We don't have money. You know, it's how do we, how do you do this? Um, we've certainly had some, um, you know, mistakes and we haven't done everything always perfectly, but we've tried really, really hard. Um, I, I, I say it, we, I, I really have not done much at all. I've just, there are many people who have, done way more than I have ever thought about doing for Needlepoint Palooza. So they have, but I have seen them um, work really hard to do whatever they can to make it a fun event. So start yourself a stitch club, start yourself a little weekend event, be creative, think outside of the box, but find ways to build community and engage um, with people around you that needlepoint and if you don't really don't have people then don't hesitate to travel and go find your people somewhere else um travel to a retreat um i know you'll you'll meet you will find somebody there that you will connect with and you'll have um a great time which i think is why we needlepoint this is 
it's a hobby and it should be fun and it should be relaxing. And, um, it's, it's really cool to walk into that group to see, you know, 80 people in, um, our town who have come from all over, uh, just to kind of be together and stitch. And like I said, um, those women, uh, 80 women, it was not, it was not a women's event, but that's who came, um, 80 women of many different generations coming together is pretty cool. So to upstate stitchers and everyone who came to Needle Point Palooza, thank you so much. And it was so exciting to meet Pat and Karen and um, Abby and Megan and, you know, so many people that I did not know and um, others that I did via St. Stacy. Yeah, that could go on. I know I'm forgetting somebody, but um, yeah, it's really cool. Um, all right. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. I hope you guys have a great rest of the week. And it's spring is not close, but I'm feeling I can, you know, we are, we are here in the South. We are, no, we, I mean, it could snow tomorrow. Um, and March can be very, we still, we have all of February and we have all of March, but I'm telling y'all, I can like feel spring coming. The daffodils have not started but they are close. I've not seen a daffodil, but I, I bet in the next two weeks I will see a daffodil. What do I know? I'm hoping. I love a daffodil. That just tells me spring is on the way. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.